Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. At the time of this recording, the Primetime Emmy Awards will take place this Sunday night on Fox. Today, I am joined by Alex Meyer to discuss our predictions in all 27 categories. So, we'll be starting with the drama categories, then we'll move on to comedy, then limited series movies, then the reality variety categories. So, starting with the, what is usually the final award of the night, Outstanding Drama Series. So, Alex, would you mind reading off the nominees? Yes, and while the final season of HBO's juggernaut series Game of Thrones proved to be very divisive among critics and audiences, I think it's a safe bet to predict it to win for the fourth and final time. Don't you agree? Yes, especially since it got a whopping 32 nominations for this final season, the most for any TV show ever, beating out the record for NYPD Blue's first season back in 1994. And it already won 10 awards at the Creative Arts Emmys. So if it can win at least at least thir- at least four more Emmys, which would mean 14 total, it would be the all-time record for most wins in a single night for any program. Because right now the record is John Adams with 13 wins. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to discuss outstanding lead actor in a drama series? All right, the nominees this year are Jason Bateman, Ozark, Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us, Kit Harrington, Game of Thrones, Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, Billy Porter, Pose, and Milo Ventimiglia, This Is Us. So, uh, at first I had Jason Bateman winning this, given how, how much attention he's gotten for not only his performance in Ozark, but also as a director and executive producer of the show as well. Though, with that being said, every single winner of this award since 2011 has gone to either a first-year show, which would be the case for Billy Porter, or a last-year show, which in this case would be Kit Harrington. So, who do you have winning? I was, it was a tough call for me because it seemed to be kind of a three-way race between Billy Porter, Jason Bateman, and Bob Odenkirk, because I know a lot of people feel Bob Odenkirk's been long overdue for a win. So, but I guess ultimately I picked Billy Porter because just reading from the episode of the analysis of his episode submission, although two submissions really even play that big of a factor anymore now that the whole acting branch can vote rather than a blue ribbon panel, basically. But then again, from what I read, if, you know, voters do pay attention to the episodes, from what I read of the episode analysis, Billy Porter's episode was quite emotional you know, to really display his acting range. And, of course, Pose was airing. It's technically nominated for its first season, but it aired its second season in the middle of voting, and it's Ryan, a Ryan Murphy show, and a lot of actors in Ryan Murphy shows tend to win an Emmy or two. You know, we've seen Glee and various incarnations of American Horror Story and, of course, the, his uh, American Crime Story saga. So, so clearly Emmy voters love it when actors appear in a Ryan Murphy production. Well, well, yeah, especially if they're ones who have been more under the radar compared to the big A-listers. Yeah, so so I guess so I guess based on that I have him winning. And yeah, yeah, I have him winning too. I do have Jason Bateman in second place because of his SAG win earlier this year. 
Well, well, yeah, Jason Bateman is possible because, again, he did win the SAG earlier this year. But as for Billy Porter, you know, while Pose didn't do as well in nominations as many people thought would early on, you know, Billy Porter, you know, he's, you know, again, he's been this Broadway veteran for many years, yet he's been the breakout star of the FX hit series. And I have seen his episode submission, and it is, in my opinion, the perfect showcase for him, to be honest. So if we were still under the old, you know, blue ribbon panel, he'd probably win in a heartbeat, I imagine. Well, I mean... I guess it would depend, like, if it's under this new voting system where we see how much easier it's been for, you know, newcomers, at least to the Emmy race, to win on their first time out. Or under the old voting system, I don't know if he could, if he would easily win, given how, you know, it's often the veterans would keep winning. But even so, we've kind of seen, even under the new system, people who wanted the old system could still win again, like Peter Dinklage last year for Game of Thrones in the supporting actor race. Right, which we'll be getting to momentarily. Are you ready to discuss Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series? Uh, yes, and the nominees are Amelia Clark, Game of Thrones, Jodie Comer, Killing Eve, Viola Davis, How to Get Away with Murder, Laura Linney, Ozark. Mandy Moore, This Is Us, Sandra O, oh, Killing Eve, and Robin Wright, House of Cards. And this is a bit of a tricky race here. I mean, on the one hand, Sandra O oh has been Emmy-nominated six times before, but still has yet to win. And so far, she has won the Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, and SAG Awards for her performance on the first season of Killing Eve, albeit her co-star Jodie Comer wasn't even in contention at two of those awards groups. Though it does help that Sandra has also earned two additional nominations for hosting Saturday Night Live and the Golden Globes this past year. However, Jodie Comer not only managed to win the BAFTA TV Award over Sandra, but she was also seen as more of a stand on the second season, which could potentially lead to vote splitting. I mean, I have Sandra winning right now. How about you? Yeah, I have her winning. I think a lot of people feel she's overdue for a win. Because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people wanted to see her win last year, but I didn't think, but I had a feeling she wouldn't just because only she and Phoebe Waller-Bridge for writing got nominated and nothing else. So oh, yeah. the show clearly picked up momentum the next this time around. I don't think I wouldn't say the BAFTA is a good indication that Jodie Comer could win because. I mean, you know, given that it's the BAFTAs, the Brits tend to favor their own. Though we've seen this during past Oscar seasons how much BAFTA has proven to be a more telling tea leaf, like we saw this past year with Olivia Coleman winning for The Favorite, as well as Mark Rylance winning for Bridge of Spies, Meryl Streep winning for The Iron Lady, Tilda Swinton winning for Michael Clayton, That's... and uh, Nicole Kidman winning for The Hours. That's more on the movie side, though. We're talking about the BAFTA TV awards. I know. There's very little. There's very little crossover. The only real crossover you usually get between the BAFTA TV awards and the Emmys is like the international show category. Hmm. Oh well, so, I so guess I so. You know. Plus I'm. Plus I don't know how many BAFTA members. I don't know if BAFTA membership works where like these members vote for film, these members vote for TV, or maybe BAFTA allows every member to vote for both. I'm. Well, I think with BAFTA TV, I think I think they have like a blue ribbon panel that hmm. votes for the winners. It's not like the whole membership can vote. Okay. I think I think maybe they changed it. I don't know. I, I mean, I know for BAFTA films, 
it's like the Oscars. Everyone can vote in every category, and you just pick one, and that's it. Well, yes, and, and I believe 500 members of the BAFTA film are also Academy members and Motion Picture Academy members. Yes, that's correct. I guess uh, now moving on to the next category, are you ready to discuss Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series? All right, the nominees are Alfie Allen, Game of Thrones, Jonathan Banks, Better Call Saul, Nikolai Coster-Waldo, Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones, Giancarlo Esposito, Better Call Saul, Michael Kelly, House of Cards, and Chris Sullivan, This Is Us. And I think this would hopefully be an easier category to predict because I have Peter Dinklage winning. He's remained the only cast member from Game of Thrones to have won an acting prize. And he's prevailed in this category three times before. And I think Emmy voters will award him again for the fourth and final time. I agree. And if he should win, I believe he will set the all-time a new all-time record in this category because I know I think right now he's tied with Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad with they each have three wins mm -hmm. so he would he would get a, number, a fourth and that would make him the most winner the, the yeah the the one who's won the most in this category uh-huh I guess uh, now moving on to outstanding supporting actress in a drama series Julia Garner, Ozark, Lena Headey, Game of Thrones, Fiona Shaw, Killing Eve, Sophie Turner, Game of Thrones, and Maisie Williams, Game of Thrones. So I do think, given that this is the last chance to reward one of them, I do think we will finally see a Game of Thrones lady take a prize here. Ooh. And based on, I kind of base my pick on who I think got the most acclaim this season because almost every character got criticized in some way for either something they did or plus there was because because this season of game of thrones upset so many of the diehard fans with almost every character and this character was no exception but given how fans have seemed to appreciate her growing up over the series literally i actually i have Maisie williams winning Hmm. Okay. Now, and this is the first category where I actually do not have the same predicted winner as you. I actually have Julia Garner winning for Ozark. Uh, I mean, I could kind of see that, but I just think that she might be too unknown to a lot of Emmy voters, I think. Well, tell that to Rami Malek, who won for over a lot of veteran actors for Mr. Robot a few years ago. True, but then again, he had the advantage of being a lead rather than supporting, and like Mr. Robot had gotten so much attention for that first season. No. Whereas, well. you know, I don't know. Plus, he kind of he kind of had some visibility in like small with like some small movie roles and other TV roles. Yeah, Whereas like Julia Garner. She's kind of kind of come out of nowhere because she's still quite young well yeah but then again you know she did very surprisingly earn an individual sag nomination the catch-all category of best actress in a drama series this past year mm -hmm. but i just think with game of thrones you know given how many nominations it's had and you know how we've seen like a lot of the ladies we think would win whether it be like we thought lena hetty would easily win in 2016 but then she lost to maggie smith the last season of Down Mad. I might have predicted Maggie Smith to win that year. We thought Diana Rigg would easily win for 
guest actress last year, but then she lost to Samira Wiley for The Handmaid's Tale. And I think, and I mean, yes, there could be a vote split, but I do think, you know, with Maisie, I, I guess the main reason I have Maisie Williams winning is because she seemed to have the least controversial story arc in the show this past season because I know her character kills the villain, the Night King, although I know some people criticize the killing as being too looking too easy, but given that she's literally grown up on the show because she was like 13 or 14 when she started the show and she's like 22 now, so, you know, I, I mean, I just feel that, I just think that the Emmy voters will want to reward at least one of the ladies, not only just for that individual season, but just kind of as an overall work on the show from like all the seasons, I guess. Well, we shall see. But I'm sticking with Julia Garner. It seems that the actor's branch has really taken notice of her work on the second season of Ozark. Are you ready to move on to outstanding directing for a drama series? Uh, yes. And I believe it's uh, my turn, right? Yes. Okay. The nominees are Game of Thrones, The Iron Throne... Game of Thrones, The Last of the Starks, uh, Game of Thrones, The Long Night, The Handmaid's Tale, Holly, Killing Eve, Desperate Times, Ozark, Reparations, and Succession, Celebration. Okay, well, based on this episode's success at the Creative Arts Emmys, and given that the director behind it has won in this category in the past, I think Game of Thrones will win for The Long Night. Yeah, I believe that's why I have winning as well. Let me check real quick. Uh, yes, that's my prediction. So uh, now on to outstanding writing for a drama series. Okay, and the nominees are Better Call Saul for the episode winner, Bodyguard for episode one. There's no specific name for it, just episode one. Hmm. The Brits tend to do that with their shows. Because uh, Downton Abbey used to do that, and hmm. Fleabag does that as well when we get there. And then... Uh, Game of Thrones for The Iron Throne, a.k.a. the series finale. The Handmaid's Tale for the episode Holly. Killing Eve for the episode Nice and Neat. And Succession for the episode Nobody is Ever Missing. So so I do think this may, this may be the one big craft category Killing Eve will win. So I have that ranked in first place and that I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of buzz about the Better Call Saul episode winner, so I have that second. I actually have Succession winning this. I believe uh, I've seen other people predicting as well. Okay, well, actually I might, what I might do is I might do a slight switch. I might, I might move Succession up to third place in Game of Thrones down to fourth, just because, you know, the series finale of Game of Thrones was very controversial. Okay, fair enough. I do think... I do think Killing Eve, just because it's gotten a lot more recognition now, this year, at least in terms of nominations, they may feel they should start rewarding it, you know, well, especially, especially if voters, especially voters who didn't like the last season of Game of Thrones, because I'm sure there are some that didn't and probably won't vote for it in anything. 
Well, well, yeah. In fact, I should point out, I re recently heard uh, Tom O'Brien talk about this on a podcast, and, and he happens to be an Emmy voter in the writer's branch. And he's mentioned that, well, he, he believes this race has come down to Killing Eve and Succession. And I believe he voted for Killing Eve. He thought that was the best. But, you know, I, I can't remember entirely what he said, but he did say that Succession seems to be in the hunt. Yeah. Stranger Things is still a very buzzy show, so I, I'm sure it'll come back with a vengeance next year. Mm. Yeah, so are you ready to move on to the comedy categories? Yep. All right. And the nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are Barry, Fleabag, The Good Place, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Russian Doll, Schitt's Creek, and Veep. So this is interesting because early on, you know, we thought this race would be between Mrs. Maisel and Veep. And at the Creative Arts Ceremony last weekend, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel took home six awards, which was the most of any comedy series this year. Uh, however, it missed writing, which, you know, it won writing last year, but didn't get a writing nomination this year. What, in fact, uh, what do you have winning outstanding comedy series right now? Oh, wow. I just think, I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen that whether it be the Emmys or the Oscars or the Tonys, sometimes shows can buck the trend of having or not having a certain category nomination. Like, you know, Birdman won Best Picture without an editing nomination. Titanic won Best Picture without a screenplay nomination. Um, Green Book won Best Picture without a directing nomination. And Ar same with Argo and yeah. Driving Miss Daisy. So, I mean, yeah, there's... So, so it's clear that you don't necessarily need to check off all the boxes in order to win, but Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it did increase its nomination hall to 20 this year, including some more acting nominations. And, you know, it's still very much beloved by both its critics and its fans. And gain more attention with more attention with its second season. Hmm. So, so it's not a sophomore slump in this case for it. And, uh, and given that it did win several awards at the Creative Arts Awards and could potentially win some more big ones, that's why I have it ranked here. Although based on its casting c category win, I do have Fleabag in a close second place because you know it's it, it's pretty much it pretty much exploded onto the scene here after being completely snubbed for its first season a couple of years ago. And I should point out that not only did Fleabag win casting, but also won another important creative arts category, which is picture editing. And I'm also actually going out on a limb, placing one of my two 500-point super bets on Fleabag in comedy series. That's my prediction. series that won either comedy or drama series really ever well maybe upstairs downstairs one back in the 70s so i mean i don't know i mean i think i'm sure fleabag will come close in the votes but i just think 
Marvelous Mrs. Maisel just has a little bit more of an edge because it did increase its nominations hall, which proves viewers, and based on its creative arts wins, it proves voters in all, all different branches are watching the show. And then, you know, it's still maintaining the buzz from its first season. So I, for that, and the fact that I do pre- predict it to win a couple more categories kind of cements my belief it's going to win. But I do think Fleabag will win a couple other awards, which we'll get to when we get there. Yes. But I, I do think Fleabag will have a better chance than Veep. I know a lot of people think Veep will win despite decreasing its nomination hall by almost half of what it had last time. And it missed directing. True, but it did get a writing nomination, which we'll get to there, because it's interesting. Yeah. Mrs. Maisel has directing nominations, but not writing, while Veep is the complete opposite. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing, but, you know, like I said, rules rules have to be broken sometimes here. Yeah, well, yeah, they say rules are made to be broken. Yeah, so I, so I do, so I have Veep in third place. I mean, this is a race, I mean, no matter what we predict, it's... This race is too close to call at this point. There's like kind of like the the best lead actor in a musical category at the Tonys last year. Right, which of course involves a certain cast member, Tony Shalhoub, who's nominated for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Well, I may have good things to say about him when we get to that category. Me too. In fact, another thing I should point out is that, you know, while it's worth noting that while despite only being the second season of Fleabag, it is also its final season, and we've seen Television Academy give several farewell hugs in recent years. That is true, but then again, we've never really seen a British series win the top honors in a very long time, so well, for some Emmy voters, it might be too British for their taste. Well, then again, as as we've mentioned, rules are made to be broken, and you'll never know when it might happen. That is true, but I'm just pointing out that other British series we've seen this decade be major Emmy contenders like Downton Abbey for The Crown. They've managed to win a lot of craft categories and a lot of, like, acting categories, but never the top category. Well... We shall find out Sunday night. So, I guess now on to Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Okay. And the nominees are Anthony Anderson, Blackish, Don Cheadle, Black Monday, Ted Danson, The Good Place, Michael Douglas, The Kaminsky Method, Bill Hader, Barry, and Eugene Levy, Schitt's Creek. So, even, even though he was considered... A, a very surprise winner last year, and he looked quite surprised himself yeah. when he got up on stage. But I do think this year Bill Hader probably wins this in a slam dunk. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, oh, yeah, especially given how much Barry was able to improve in nominations this year, that makes me comfortable in predicting Bill Hader to win again. Right. And even though this movie came out after the Emmy voting closed, the buzz for his performance in in Chapter 2 did start to come out right before the final Emmy ballots were due, and we have seen sometimes, I mean, when, when movies come out and someone's nominated the Emmys, sometimes the goodwill buzz from that movie can kind of help propel you to a win, as we saw with Melissa McCarthy winning for Mike and Molly following the buzz she got for her performance in Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. And with Bill Hader, many have hailed him as the standout cast member from It Chapter 2, and yeah. having seen the film, I would definitely agree, but I do think, I do think, though, to be fair, all six, all of the actors in It Chapter 2 are very good. I don't think there's, like, 
this one is clearly better and the rest are all inferior to them. Mm -hmm. Bill Hader probably has the most emotional story arc without going into spoilers. Mm -hmm. So, um, and of course, you know, Barry, of course, is a, a show about show business, and we know both the Emmys and the Oscars love things about show business. So I guess now moving on to Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. Yep. Right, and the nominees are Christina Applegate, Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Veep, Natasha Leon, Russian Doll, Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Fleabag. Now, before nominations were announced, it looked like this race was going to be between Rachel Brosnahan and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. After all, they're both reigning Emmy champs, who also so far have consistent track records. Julia has won six times in a row for the first six seasons of Veep. Not only that, but she also has the narrative of coming back to the series for the final season after taking a year off as she went through cancer. Meanwhile, Rachel won for the first season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in absence of Veep last year, and she's also taken home the Golden Globe and Critics' Choice TV Awards two years in a row, as well as the Screen Actors Guild for the second season earlier this year. So, where do you stand on this race? I do think this will be the one big category people win. I think, you know, if they feel she's already has a perfect track record, they may feel, oh, let's just make it a perfect track record overall. And I do have Julia Louis-Dreyfus winning again. Although I still maintain Amy Poehler should have won at least once for Parks and Recreation a couple of years ago. Huh. Wow. <clears throat> Especially for the final season. That was just, that was bullcrap that Amy Poehler lost for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, who knows if, Amy, if Julia would have won or if Amy could have beaten her if it was under this new voting system, which is a plurality vote where whoever has the most votes wins instead of the rank system where, you know, it's kind of like the preferential ballots for best picture at the Oscars where the consensus choice tends to win. Who knows? I mean, at least Amy Poehler finally has an Emmy, but she should have three or four by now instead of just one. <laughs> hmm. Well, in any case, I'm actually predicting Phoebe Waller-Bridge to win. Okay. Well, I, I'm not predicting her here, but I do predict her in another category. I think I am as well. Right, because I do think, I think she's kind of, I mean, I, I hate to bring this guy up because of his personal behavior, but I have to mention him just because of the history of his history at the Emmys, Louis C.K., mm -hmm. because he would always be nominated for acting, but would usually tend to win for writing, and I think that's going to happen with Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this case. I do have her winning in the writing category when we get to that, and I do, but I think, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, clearly voters love her a lot in this role, and I do think she's going to be hard to beat, even if she might have a little bit more of a challenge than the last time around, because, you know, we've had to wait two years since she last won, but I do think she has a somewhat solid lead. But I actually have Rachel Brosnahan in second place instead of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, because I do think, given that she did manage to continue her streak after the winning at the Emmys, then for the second season of Mrs. Maisel of winning the Golden Globe again, which is a rarity because they rarely repeat, and then winning the SAG Award, and given Mrs. Maisel is the biggest comedy contender of the year, I do think we can't count her out because she is, of course, playing an actual comedian. Especially since you're predicting Mrs. Maisel to win comedy series. It wouldn't make much sense if it were to win comedy series, but it doesn't win for its titular star. Right. I do think, 
So, yeah, I, I just think she has somewhat momentum to be close to Julia, but maybe but not enough to win. But you, you never know. We mm-hmm. could see a – trying to think what's a shocking Emmy win. that Ben Mendelsohn in Bloodline. Well, other than him, I'm trying to think of another one. A Tatiana Maslany in Orphan Black. Yes, that would be a good one because, you know, I didn't, I didn't think she would win because she was, I believe, her show's only nomination. Well, yeah, and a lot of us were predicting Viola Davis to repeat. And in fact, I should also point out that, uh, you know, under this new voting system, we haven't seen as many repeats as usual. Like, for example, last year only saw one repeat acting winner in Peter Dinklage for Game of Thrones. Back to Phoebe for a second. You know, she also has the visibility factor for not only creating, producing, and starring in Fleabag, but also as one of the executive producers of the drama series Killing Eve. Yes. I think she will have a strong chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess now on to Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Okay, oh, here I am. Okay, and the nominees are Alan Arkin, The Kaminsky Method, Anthony Kerrigan, Barry, Tony Hale, Veep, Stephen Root, Barry, Tony Shalhoub, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Henry Winkler, Barry. And uh, based on... Just his, I guess, overall reputation, because he has won three other Emmys for his role on Monk and mm-hmm. his win at the SAG Awards earlier this year. And given Mrs. Maisel's dominance overall, I have Tony Shalhoub winning. Okay, me too. Because I know, like, I believe, I can't remember if he submitted the, the, the Catskills episode or not. Yeah, I think he did. That was considered by many critics to be one of the best TV episodes of... 2018 just overall Uh, yes and he did submit that episode so that momentum could certainly help him if voters specifically watch just the episode submission and not but then again if they watch the whole series i'm sure that would stand out as well yes and then then i do have um i have henry winkler in second place because i do think there was such goodwill to his win last year i could see that potentially spilling over to him again this year yeah i i have henry winkler in second place as well i mean yes he may have finally won his very first primetime emmy last year for the first season of barry of course on paper you'd think that voters are just going to rubber stamp that out by awarding him again but yeah i'm predicting tony shalhoub to win because you know again he won the sag award as well as the fact that had it not been for henry's overdue narrative last year tony shalhoub probably could have taken it, but he was the only member of the Mrs. Maisel team that didn't win for the first season on the main telecast. Which is why I think they might make it up to him this year. Uh, Yes, I think so as well. So now on to Outstanding Supporting Actress in the Comedy Series. The nominees are Alex Borstein, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Anna Klumsky, Veep, Sion Clifford, Fleabag, Olivia Coleman, Fleabag, Betty Gilpin, Glow, Sarah Goldberg, Barry, Marin Hinkle, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Kate McKinnon, Saturday Night Live. Okay, so this was a tough category for me to, because I was torn between my top two. Initially, I had Alex Borstein winning again because of Mrs. Maisel's dominance and everything and you know, can, and her other nomination in the voiceover category for Family Guy. What she lost last weekend. To, to, her, on, to her animated husband, Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine if the Griffins themselves are competing in Emmys, and she's like, Peter Hunger stole my Emmy! 
Well, yes, and she could be back for next two years for the upcoming seasons of The Crown, as she'll be taking over for Claire Foy as Queen Elizabeth II. Well, well, I believe I saw on Gold Derby that, you know, a couple of people from Gold Derby are at the Microsoft Theater today, and they've, and they've, you know, I think they've confirmed that Olivia Coleman won't be able to make it. Well, but, you know, that, that hasn't stopped other people from winning, you know. Well, oh, I know. I'm just pointing that out because if she does win, we wouldn't be able to see her give a speech. Me too. Oh. Because we have seen, especially in the supporting comedy winners, we have seen a lot of repeat winners, like, you know, of Julie Bowen winning two times in a row for Modern Family and Ty Burrell winning two times, albeit non-consecutively for Modern Family. Well, yes, but of course that was under the old voting system. That's true, but you never know. I guess Anna Klumski might have somewhat of a chance because it, it is Veep's final season, but... And she's never won an Emmy for this character. Oh, yes, and I also have Olivia winning as part of my uh, possible sweep for Fleabag, which I am predicting. But I guess now moving on to outstanding directing for a comedy series, and I believe it's your turn to read off the nominees. Yep, and the nominees are Barry for the episode The Audition, Barry for the episode Ronnie slash Lily, 
the Big Bang Theory for the episode The Stockholm Syndrome, aka the series finale, Fleabag for episode one, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel for the episode All Alone, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel for the episode We're Going to the Catskills. So based on its overall buzz that this episode had and just its overall acclaim from critics, I have uh, We're Going to the Catskills from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel winning. Well, I uh, currently have that in third place right now. I think of the two Mrs. Measle episodes in contention, I think that's more likely to win than All Alone. Yeah, and but given that Mrs. Maisel, I'm predicting it to win comedy series, I think it has to win directing as well. And just given how this episode was lauded by so many critics as one of the best TV episodes as a whole of 2018, I think that will kind of give it an edge. And in a way, it would kind of be like... Uh, you could say a kind of his and hers for for Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband Daniel Palladino because Amy won the directing category last year. And writing. And writing, and and she is technically nominated also for the episode All Alone, but it's Daniel who directed We're Going to the Catskills. Mm-hmm. But I do have Ronnie Lilly from Barry in second place. I think it's going to be a, a close call between the two of them and maybe... The goodwill for Bill Hader could maybe spill over here. Though, so my current predictions right now, I currently have Ronnie Lilly from Barry winning. Okay. I mean, it is, I, like I said, I think it is a tight race between the two of them. I can imagine the winner being ahead by just a few votes in the final round of voting. But yeah, I just, I mean, it was a tough call for me because I almost did predict Ronnie Lilly, but I just think we're going to the Catskills has a little bit more edge to it, at least in terms of the way of it standing out, I guess. I mean, it's hard because we haven't seen all these shows. We're just going by the overall buzz we hear mm. from, like, critics and Gold Derby members in the forums who talk about these. Well, yeah, I've only seen half of these nominees, which are the two Mrs. Measle episodes and Fleabag, which I actually have in second place. Well, yeah, but we'll see. And I have Fleabag in second place, just taking into account potential vote splitting, which not that vote splitting always happens. It's usually dependent on if there's a clear standout. But in case a vote splitting does happen, I think Fleabag's more likely to take it than the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I agree. Plus, if Fleabag were to win here, it could also be a potential signal to how strong the series could end up being throughout the night. Yeah, well, speaking of Fleabag, that is a major contender for the next category. Right, and the nominees for Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series are Barry for the episode Ronnie Lilly, Fleabag, episode one, the Good Place, Janet, Pen15, Anna, Ishi Peters, Russian Doll, Nothing in This World is Easy, Russian Doll, at Warm Body, and Veep, Veep. So this is where I have Phoebe Waller-Bridge winning her Emmy. I think, I think she is a solid lock to win for her writing, because that seems to be what Fleabag gets the most acclaim for. Yes, I agree. So I think this is where she'll win here. And then I do have Veep in second place. Yeah, I think this is an, almost an easy win for Fleabag, although I actually have Barry in second place. Well, I guess I have Veep a little higher than Barry just because this is the series finale of Veep. Well, yeah, although it wasn't, like, very well regarded or anything. It was kind of like, oh, yeah. 
but still, I mean, that doesn't, but still Game of Thrones, that doesn't stop it. It, had, it arguably had a more controversial series finale than Veep, and yet it still got nominated anyway. Well, yes, but Game of Thrones is like a juggernaut, which Veep, well, fairly underperformed denominations this year. Yeah, that's true, but considering that some still think Veep might still be able to win for comedy series, uh, that's kind of why I have it ranked a little bit higher. Hmm, fair enough. Especially, especially if they feel they need to give the show some kind of a goodbye hug, but I think... I think they mainly they're mainly going to do that with giving Julia Louis Dreyfus a perfect seven for seven track record. We shall see. So, I guess now on to the limited series movie categories, and I believe it's your turn to read off the nominees this time for outstanding limited series. And the nominees are Chernobyl, Escape at Danamora, Bossy Verdon, Sharp Objects, and When They See Us. And uh, first, let me point out by saying that this was such a banner year for miniseries. Any other year, each of the nominees would have a great shot of winning, yet it all comes down to both of the late-breaking contenders this season, HBO's Chernobyl and Netflix's When They See Us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, both those series just came kind of out of nowhere to such massive critical and audience acclaim. Yeah. Where, and of course... Even, you know, this is kind of like, I think, a similar race between of miniseries where, like, like, of course, you know, Chernobyl has a lot more technical nominations than When They See Us, but When They See Us, at least half of its nominations is acting alone. Well, yeah, not to mention that the creative arts ceremony last weekend, Chernobyl won seven awards, including picture editing, which was the most of any miniseries this year, while When They See Us only won casting. That's still a pretty big, you know, yes, award because when they see us, just simply doesn't have a lot of the technical nominations Chernobyl does. Yeah, I agree. Like we said, 50% of when they see us, and that's no exaggeration when we say that, 50% of its nominations are actors alone. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think based on its buzz and critical acclaim and timeliness, because this is the 30th anniversary of when this incident happened, because the details with the Central Park 5 incident, I do think when they see us, probably, well, maybe not a complete lock, but I think it, because I do believe Chernobyl could provide somewhat of a chance to upset, but I do think it has a somewhat solid chance of winning. But I do have Chernobyl as the runner-up. I have my second super bet placed on this category, and I'm predicting Chernobyl to win. Mm, that is a good possibility, but I do think Emmy voters might also vote for this when they see us because I'm a they might fear if they don't vote for it, there will be backlash. Well, I do have when they see us winning two other categories, which we'll get to soon. But I also think when they see us will win, just because I do think it's going to win other key categories. And when we see these categories usually won, it provides good indication of what's going to win the top honor. Well, I also have uh, Chernobyl winning two other key categories, which we'll get to soon as well. And in fact, one thing I should point out is that when they see us of the well, creative arts nominations they received, it missed picture editing. And we've seen how, you know, especially at the Oscars, how it's important to get a best film editing nomination. Just look what happens with Roma this past year. Yeah, but I, I mean, with the Emmy voters, I don't know if they really pay attention to that. Because, I mean, voters from all the branches can vote in the top categories. That is true. With the, with the bigger branches, like the acting branches, I don't know if they pay attention to things like whether or not it's nominated for like editing or cinematography or whatever. But I just think the buzz it has from the buzz it's generated and like the 
part, the discussions it's generated, particularly for the real life people that are portrayed, not only the, the five men who were wrongfully convicted, but the people who convicted them, like the, the lawyers and the police officers, they've come all come back under fire for the way they treated these men when they were just teenage kids. I think just the overall public dis- discussion this series has generated can kind of will help push it over the edge, kind of how in 2017 the public discussion Big Little Lies generated for the portrayal of its issues like rape and domestic violence and everything kind of helped push that over the edge. Plus, of course, Big Little Lies won several key awards like acting and directing. Well, I should also point out that it's worth noting that every single winner of this category within the past decade was also at least nominated for picture editing as well as casting. So that if you look at that statistics, Chernobyl has a slight edge because of that. True, and if When They See Us had missed the Emmy cycle because it premiered right at the very end, mm-hmm. I think Chernobyl would probably easily win, but just because it kind of came out and stole Chernobyl's thunder, if you will, I think that gives it the slighter edge here. Well, we shall see what happens. So, so yeah, I, so I'm, I'm sticking with it for now, especially, I mean, I know the casting, I know the casting wins aren't always indicative, but I think at least for limited series, they usually serve as a pretty solid indication of what wins the top honor. Indeed. All right, and then next up we have a TV movie where, interestingly, before we read the nominees... None of they have no other nominations besides this category. Well, above the line, at least. Um, yeah, well, no, I don't think. Oh, that's right, because I did believe I think Deadwood got some below the line nominations, and Black Mirror got one as well. Right. So the nominees for outstanding television movie are Bandersnatch, Black Mirror, Brexit, Deadwood, the movie. King Lear, and My Dinner with Hervé. And I think this is an easy win for Deadwood at the movie, even though previous installments of Black Mirror won this award the last two years. I mean, I think Deadwood has it. Yeah, I agree, because I know a lot of people... I know a lot of people felt the show was canceled prematurely back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I know this movie was kind of meant to wrap up all the unanswered questions. Plus, it would be a way to honor the series creator, David Milch, because he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and Black Mirror, maybe it could upset because it's won before, but then again, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, it's, it has like five different endings you can pick and choose from, and that was a bit controversial because some people thought some endings worked better than others, and Emmy voters may feel, well, if it's a TV movie, it should have just a beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Deadwood has an edge because of what we've already talked about. Plus, you know, the movie itself has the most nominations out of all the films in this category. Plus, it pretty much brings back almost the entire cast of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. Are you now ready to move on to Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series or Movie? Yes, and I believe it's my turn to read off the nominees. Yes, I believe so as well. Okay, uh, and the nominees are Mahershala Ali, True Detective... Benicio Del Toro, Escape of Danamora, Hugh Grant, A Very English Scandal, Jared Harris, Chernobyl, Jarrell Jerome, When They See Us, and Sam Rockwell, Fosse Verdon. So I admit it was tough for me between my first and second place because my number one and number two, both these men are in like the top two contenders, I guess you could say, for the top honor. But despite his young age and being a relative unknown compared to the rest of his co-stars, 
I do think, excuse me, I do think based on the buzz of of his now of his program, Jarrell Jerome will probably narrowly win over Jared Harris, who I have in second place, well, because we have seen. Even though the Emmys have historically been kind of biased against younger actors in this category, we have seen in recent years with more younger actors winning, like Riz Ahmed for The Night Of and Darren Chris for The Assassination of Gianni Versace, albeit both of them were there in their early 30s, while Jarrell Jerome is only in his early 20s. Well, yeah. Still, he gives, having watched When They See Us, he is the only member of the cast to portray his character, Corey Wise, as both a teen and an adult. Mm-hmm. The other characters have two actors playing the role, whereas we get we get the most attention on Corey Wise's time in prison and, and the effect it takes on him, both physically and mentally, and it's quite a devastating and heartbreaking performance to watch, mm-hmm. one that most young actors his age probably aren't capable of giving and yeah and we've also seen at the oscars how they don't usually like to award 20 something year old men in the best actor categories yet the emmys have been more open to that in recent years so yeah i think Gerald drome appears to be when they see us his best shot and acting prize i agree i think he's going to win though yeah i could definitely see jared harris winning for chernobyl i mean he's that veteran actor who's been in the business for 30 years yeah was recently given a rare starring role in his career and a win for him here could also be a sign of how strong chernobyl could turn out to be are you ready to discuss the next category uh yes the lead actress in the limited series or movie and this is where i have the first of my two super bets all right and so the nominees are amy adams sharp objects patricia arquette escape at danamora anjanu ellis when they see us joey king the act Nisi Nash, When They See Us, and Michelle Williams, Fosse Verdon. So a year ago, I would have predicted that Amy Adams would easily win this award in a cakewalk for her haunting performance in Sharp Objects. Yeah, along King Patricia Arquette, who managed to sweep through the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, and a tie with Amy Adams, and SAG Awards for her performance in Escape at Danamora. But then in the spring, Michelle Williams came in with Fosse Verdon and delivered what many people felt was one of the best performances of the year on screens big and small for her portrayal of Broadway legend Gwen Verdon and I do have Michelle Williams winning right now and I imagine you do as well yep and I have a super bet here I think I, th- I know some people think Patricia Arquette might still win but and, and it's interesting because both she and Michelle Williams are playing real life people but I think what might help Michelle Williams here is I think I think her portrayal of Gwen Verdon is more sympathetic because you know let's face it Patricia Arquette's character in Escape at Danamora, Joyce Tilly Mitchell, she literally helps two men break out of prison. Mm-hmm. And she was having sex with both men, you know, during work because, you know, she's managing a tailor shop in the prison and she's having sex with both of them in the back room. Mm. Yeah. So it's not exactly the most, I mean, admittedly, and as part of the series, because I watched it, she, she actually envisions like drugging her husband and escaping with the men, but then she has a change of heart at the last minute because she's, she feels too guilty about potentially killing her husband. But and, it, and while it does give her some sympathy, it's not enough to make you like her as a person. Whereas with Fosse Verdon, you know, it's about giving Gwen Verdon her moment in the spotlight, whereas most of it's always been given to Bob Fosse. It's highlighting just how much she contributed to his career and how much he contributed to hers Mm -hmm. and how for many things she was kind of the saving grace and he 
he was a saving grace for her. So it, it kind of really details how they were like the yin and yang for each other, keeping each other in balance. Well, yeah, I, again, I have Michelle Williams winning, though I do have Patricia Arquette in second place, given her sweep early on this season, albeit Fosse Verdon hadn't premiered yet. While the TCA awards don't overlap with the Emmys, it is worth noting that Michelle did recently win there over Patricia Arquette, so that's something. And not to mention that, you know, given that Patricia Arquette is also nominated in supporting for a performance in the Hulu miniseries The Act, that could help her here, or maybe the other category, which we'll get to in a moment because we've seen how much being a double nominee in two separate categories has helped people in the past, not only at the Emmys, but also the Oscars. But I guess now moving on to the next category, which is Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Limited Series or Movie. Okay, and the nominees are Asante Black, When They See Us, Paul Dano, Escape at Danamora, John Leguizamo, When They See Us, Stellan Skarsgård, Chernobyl, Ben Wyshaw, A Very English Scandal, and Michael Kenneth Williams when they see us. So I was torn between my predictions here. I initially was going to pick Ben Wyshaw because he did win the Golden Globe and Critics' Choice for a very English scandal. And the BAFTA TV Awards as well. Yeah, that's true. But of course, I don't usually consider the BAFTA TV Awards in this case because there's not really much overlap between the, the voters there and here. But you do make a good point. But... And, and I think he, there is somewhat of a chance he could still win because, you know, it is a true story and he is playing, you know, a man who was almost murdered by his former lover who's a politician trying to protect his, to keep him, a politician trying to keep himself in the closet, if you will, hmm. because it deals with the taboo of being gay several decades ago. And Ben Wyshaw is, is actually gay himself in real life. Yes, so. he is. So he does have the benefit of, well, hopefully not bringing all his own personal experience because I, I hope he hasn't had that kind of discrimination. But undoubtedly, he will have brought his own experience of being gay to the role mm. in a way that a straight actor playing the role would not have been able to bring. But I do actually think, well, I do actually think, though, based on just Chernobyl's huge sweep in the creative arts categories and its overall buzz and his reputation as a long-working character actor, I do have Stellan Skarsgård ultimately winning. Me too. I do, think, I do think it's it'll be a narrow race between him and Ben Wyshaw, but I just think his overall career, Chernobyl's success, and of course the fact that his own son Alexander Skarsgård won this category two years ago for Big Little Lies. Yeah. And of course his son Bill Skarsgård is Pennywise in the It movies. You know, it does give him some great visibility here. Well, yes. In fact, it's also worth noting that A Very English Scandal missed out on a limited series nomination. And the last winner in this category to have prevailed for a program that wasn't nominated for that nor TV movie was Ben Gazarov for Hysterical Blindness back in 2003. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, either I, Ben Wyshaw, I think, still has a good chance of winning, but I just felt that... With Chernobyl being so huge, I figure it has to win at least one acting award. Oh yeah, that's is this is the acting award I do have it winning in. Are you ready to discuss the next category? Yes. And the nominees for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie are Patricia Arquette, The Act, Marsha Stephanie Blake, When They See Us, Patricia Clarkson, Sharp Objects, Vera Farmiga, When They See Us, Margaret Qualley, uh, Fosse Verdon, and Emily Watson, Chernobyl. Okay, 
think I, I initially considered Patricia Clarkson, but then last night I did predict Emily Watson because of Chernobyl's runaway success, and they do like to award, you know, movie stars and Oscar nominees in this category, which Emily Watson fits both. And uh, Patricia Clarkson, technically, I mean, she is at least at the Oscar nominee part. True, but she has more television experience than Emily Watson. But I did ultimately d decide to go back to Patricia Clarkson because at first I thought, well, Sharp Objects premiered over a year ago. But then again, Game of Thrones won last year for drama series, even though it had been over a year since the seventh season premiered. And don't forget, Reza Ahmed won for the night of. It was like a year since that even premiered. True, and plus Patricia Clarkson, she already has a perfect Emmy track record. She. She was only nominated twice before for Six Feet Under for, as a guest actress, but she won both times. Yeah. So she already is going for the three for three here. Mm -hmm. Plus she is, you know, a respected veteran character actress. So, and of course in Sharp Objects, she plays a woman who, who seems like she's, you know, maybe a little strange, but then as more things are revealed, it's like, oh my God. Like once you see the true horror she does it's like oh my god and, and interestingly enough patricia arquette in the act plays the exact same kind of person who abuses her daughter in the same way patricia clarkson abuses hers in sharp objects except patricia clarkson's character is fictional and patricia arquette's was a real person yeah so yes i do think if sharp objects they clearly remembered the show even though it hadn't premiered it would have been over a year since it premiered so I do think she'll get this, the one major win for that here. Yes, I so, think she is their best shot at a win Sunday night. So by a very narrow margin, because I do think Emily Watson does have a good chance to pull an upset win, I'm very narrowly predicting Patricia Clarkson. Yes, I think Patricia Clarkson wins as well. She's already won a Golden Globe and Critics' Choice for her performance in Sharp Objects. And I have a feeling Emily Watson will win those awards next year for Chernobyl. Well, yes, and if she wins here, that could be a sign of how strong Chernobyl is. And I wouldn't be surprised if she gets nominated for a SAG award, because, you know, it's the SAG awards on the TV side, they just distinguish between male and female, not lead and supporting. Yeah, so now on to outstanding directing for a limited series or movie. The nominees are... Chernobyl for the whole series, Escape at Danamora for the whole series, Fosse Verdon for the episode Glory, Fosse Verdon for the episode Who's Got the Pain, The Very English Scandal, which is a TV movie. Oh, no, and excuse me, that is a limited series. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but it's nominated for the whole series as well as, and then finally, When They See Us for the whole series. And I have When They See Us winning this. This is my second super bet, and I think, I think Ava DuVernay will probably easily win this for When They See Us. Yes, I mean, when it comes to miniseries, if you direct all the episodes, that usually gives you a leg up. Indeed, like we saw with Jean-Marc Vallée winning for directing all of Big Little Lies in 2017. Well, yes, and I believe the year before with Suzanne Beer with The Night Manager. Yes, yes, that's true. Because, yeah, she had the advantage because, like, uh, People vs. O.J. Simpson was nominated for, like, three separate episodes. Because, like, each episode had, like, a different director. Mm -hmm. yes. And I believe one of those was John Singleton, who sadly passed away earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Murphy, of course, was also one of those nominees. But I do have Chernobyl close behind in second place, followed by Escape at Danamora, which, 
you know, surprisingly enough, was directed by Ben Stiller, of all people. Well, yeah. And in fact, I was just recently listening to Scott Feinberg's podcast interview with Ben Stiller, and it's surprising to learn that Ben Stiller never had any interest in going into comedy acting. He was interested in being a serious director. And of course, Ben Stiller did manage to win the DGA Award for Escape at Animora. Yeah had Chernobyl and When They See Us not come out this year, he'd probably be the, the easy frontrunner. So I guess now on to writing. Yes, the nominees for Outstanding Writing for a Limited Series, Movie, or Dramatic Special are Chernobyl, Escape at Danamora Part 6, Escape at Danamora Part 7, Fosse Verdon for the episode Providence, A Very English Scandal, and When They See Us. And I have Chernobyl winning this. How about you? Oh. It's not nominated for the whole series. Uh, oh, yeah. And though Chernobyl is nominated for the whole thing, of course, they're all written by Craig Mazin, who, if you look up his credits before this, you'd be surprised that he's the same guy who wrote this, because before this, he wrote a lot of lowbrow big studio comedies like The Hangover Parts 2 and 3, Scary Movie 3 and 4, and Superhero Movie, as well as not a comedy, but a lowbrow big studio movie, The Huntsman Winter's War. Chernobyl winning, but I do it when they see us in second place, followed by episode seven of Escape at Danamore in third, because that is the finale. Mm -hmm. I think if Craig Mazin wins this, it should be a good influence to any talent in Hollywood who's stuck making crap studio movies to find other ways to show your true talents that don't let... The bad stuff you've done give people the idea of, oh, that's how good you're ever going to get. No, you've got more talent than just that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now on to the reality variety category, starting with Outstanding Reality Competition Program. And the nominees are The Amazing Race, American Ninja Warrior, Nailed It, RuPaul's Drag Race, Top Chef, and The Voice. So... I think given how it's managed to maintain its buzz and popularity, I do think RuPaul's Drag Race will win again. Yeah, me too. But I do have the voice in second place because beforehand it was kind of considered the unbeatable one. And then, and then after that I have the Amazing Race, which of course has won this literally at least ten times or more. Well, yeah, talk about unbeatable. Although I have Amazing Race ranked higher than the voice right now, but you do make a good point as to why you have them reversed. Now on to Outstanding Variety Talk Series, and the nominees are The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Full Frontal with Samantha B, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, The Late Late Show with James Corden, and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and I have John Oliver winning another Emmy for this. How about you? Same here. Alright. Now on to Outstanding Variety Sketch Series, and I believe it's your turn. Documentary Now, Drunk History, I Love You America with Sarah Silverman, Saturday Night Live, and Who is America? And I'm predicting Saturday Night Live to win this again. How about you? Same. I think 
So, are you now ready to discuss the uh, nominees for Outstanding Directing for a Variety Series? And the nominees are Documentary Now for the episode Waiting for the Artist, Drunk History for the episode Are You Afraid of the Drunk, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver for the episode Psychics, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert for the live midterm election show, Saturday Night's Live for the episode hosted by Adam Sandler, and Who is America for episode 102. seems to win this because the Emmy voters love Don Roy King a lot. Yeah. And the the Adam Sandler episode was considered one of the best episodes of the last season, probably only topped by the John Mulaney episode. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think Saturday Night Live is winning this. All right, and then I guess onto the very last category, we're doing writing for a variety series, where in this case, they nominate the whole writing teams, not yes. a specific episode. Mm-hmm. And the nominees are? And the nominees are uh, Documentary Now, Full Frontal with Samantha B, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and Saturday Night Live. So my rankings right now are John Oliver, Stephen Colbert, Samantha B, Documentary Now, Saturday Night Live, and Seth Meyers. Okay, I agree with about half of those. I do have John Oliver winning this. I believe he's won this at least last year, if I remember correctly. And I think it might have won the year before that as well. I think rankings overall won't matter for this one because I think John Oliver will just easily win it again. <laughs> he's pretty much become the new John Stewart, always winning the series, always winning writing. Yeah, I agree. Of course, he was part of the writing team of John Stewart. Uh-huh, so I guess them, the good luck must have rubbed off on him. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah, that is it. Those are all the categories that are on the main Emmy telecast. So. Yes, that just about does it for our predictions for the winners of the Primetime Emmy Awards. Now, before we go, now, we should point out that Following what the Oscars did pretty successfully this past year, the Emmys will be going hostless for the first time since 2003. So I guess, what are your expectations going into it? You know, just I just hope it'll be a, at least a good show where there's, you know, it doesn't feel like it goes on too long because the hostless Oscars managed to only be about like three hours and 15 minutes, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, not too long over the time limit. So, although I, from what I understand, the, the Emmys... They said part of the reason why they wanted to go hostless, not only because they said how, how well it worked for the Oscars, was because they said it feels better that without a host, they'll be able to pay more tribute to a lot of the shows that ended their run this year, like Game of Thrones, of course, Veep, The Big Bang Theory. Well, yeah, not to mention that the cast of Veep and Game of Thrones will all be presenting. Which has me wondering, are they going to like, all come out on stage together to pay tribute to their show? And would, like, we see a clip montage of that show? Or will they, like, split off in pairs of, like, two cast members will present a category together? Or will they be will they be teamed up with people, with the other presenters who are not from those shows? Because I'm wondering, how is that going to work? Because I see all these Emmy presenters, I'm like, that's a lot of presenters for 27 categories. You know, how many are you going to have per category? Yeah. I mean, well, of course, you know, that... I'm sure they'll be presenting other things, like I'm sure you'll have someone presenting some kind of clip segment, like the In Memoriam sequence and all that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, because even though I 
was not really a fan of last year's Emmy ceremony. The in memoriam sequence they had was honestly one of the best in memoriam sequences I've ever seen. Well, yeah, Charles Bright's can definitely agree with you on that. Although I will say this. I just hope for the love of God this year, please do not present the clips of the nominees before the presenters come out. That made no sense. <laughs> well, thankfully, Lauren Michaels isn't producing this year. Yeah, I mean, if they do that again, I'll be like, what is wrong with you? Because that's what most people complained about. Mm -hmm. It just felt awkward and shoehorned in. Just, okay, you say, show the clips, and sometimes they didn't even have an announcer announce the nominees' names. It's weird because whenever the Emmys have a, a special anniversary, be it their 60th, 65th, 70th, they always end up coming subpar in the ceremony because the 60th ceremony was infamously panned for the, the five hosts who hosted it that year of Tom Bergeron, Heidi Klum, Ryan Seacrest, Jeff Probst, and Howie Mandel. They were all panned for their hosting. Then the 65th ceremony had all the special tributes to people like Gene Stapleton, Gary David Goldberg, Jack Klugman, Corey Monteith, which led Stephen Levinson of Modern Family calling it the saddest Emmys of all time. Because <laughs> he said, this may be the saddest Emmys of all time, but we could not be happier. And I actually remember some people actually criticized Corey Monteith having his own special tribute, mainly because of the manner in which he died and the fact that he wasn't as much of an industry legend as someone like Jack Klugman or Gene Stapleton. Yeah. And they felt only the true legend should have had that kind of honor. And some people felt, oh, and of course, they also honored James Gandolfini as well. How could I forget about him? Yeah. I mean, his death, of course, was especially shocking because he was only in his early 50s. Yeah. And of course, you know, I remember he was like, he was like on vacation with his son in Italy when he died of his heart attack. Mm-hmm. And of course, his son, who's now like 18, 19, is now playing the young Tony Soprano in that new Sopranos prequel movie. Yeah. And then was, oh, and then of course, last year, the 70th, I mean, not only was, was that awkward presentation style just really out of place, and then they bring out Betty White just to, for being her and not, you think, are they going to give her like a special award for her services? But no, they just brought her out for just to be her, I guess. I mean, it was nice to see her, but... If you're going to bring someone like Betty White out on stage, why not give her some kind of special award or something? Yeah, that's a good point. It just, I don't know, it just felt all wrong the way they did it. Hmm. I mean, thank God you had the moments like Glenn Weiss proposing to his girlfriend. I mean, like when he said that, I was like, oh my God, is he seriously proposing? Is this real? Yeah. And then, like, I think the audience was a bit surprised, too. Are they like, wait, am I, is this really happening? And then, oh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, and, I th and I'm glad that they reversed the decision to not present some categories at the Oscars because I remember the people who won Best Documentary Short Subject for period and end of sentence. That was, like, one of the most enthusiastic Oscar speeches ever. That's what you want to see. It. Like, they're like, oh, my God, we won! But they're not doing it in, like, a mean, boastful manner. Mm-hmm. You know well, what I mean? Well, yes, and even Zach Laws posted on Facebook after last year's Emmys saying that, well, Academy, I hope you're watching because just imagine if Glenn Weiss's proposal at the Emmys was presented during commercials. Right. <laughs> Again, that does it for our discussion on the Emmys leading up to the ceremony Sunday nights. Thanks for joining me today, Alex.
And good luck to everyone with their predictions this weekend. I hope everyone also enjoys the ceremony as best they can. Bye-bye for now. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. Feel free to rate and or review this show on iTunes. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.com. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all later.